Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Becoming Ageless podcast, where we have conversations about whole health for naturally increasing health span and decreasing biological age. I'm your host, Robin Lynn Fredericks, holistic health practitioner, and I believe in being ageless. So before we start this episode, I want you to take this long, deep breath in and slowly release it. Why am I doing this? Because today we are talking stress, the effects of stress, nervous system regulation, and ways for you to overcome the stress. So just laying down some groundwork here, we know that, the, that today that people are exposed to chronic stress age rapidly. The telomeres in their cells shorten faster and inflammation, which is a feature of stress, accounts for the phenomenon of inflammaging. And in addition to aging itself, inflammaging can contribute to the development of several pathologies, including atherosclerosis, diabetes, hypertension, and others. According to an article from Biomedicines, as published in the NIH, psychological stress is considered to be an important risk factor for numerous diseases. The common feature of these pathologies is cellular senescence, which causes functional alterations and is associated with cancer and cardiovascular neurodegenerative, and autoimmune disorders. All of these conditions are usually associated with whole body aging, but in the case of lasting severe stress or chronic stress, they can occur early in life, causing older biological age. Now, numerous studies have shown a link between chronic psychological stress and mental disorders, such as major depressive disorder, PTSD, as well as accelerated aging. Chronic psychological stress is also believed to stimulate the pro-inflammatory cytokines, thus triggering inflammation. Now, on the positive side, the whole reason why we're here, another recent study published in Translational Psychiatry found that even though chronic stress may contribute to accelerated or faster aging, as noted by BioAge testing, the good news is emotional regulation and self-control have been found to help. This research reaffirms that stress is not just a feeling, and it will manifest physically. When we grow accustomed to constant levels of stress, we often don't understand how out of control it's gotten. Stress will shape your life, and the responsibility is on you and on me to remove the stress or be faced with accommodating it. So, as I said, we're going to dig into this today with my guest and my good friend, Tanya Walker, who has an established practice as a holistic coach, a somatic practitioner, as well as a breathwork and movement facilitator. And she teaches her clients how to make powerful shifts in their mental, emotional, and physical health. She's operated multiple retreats and workshops, speaks at corporate events, and will be presenting at the upcoming National ALS Conference in Salt Lake City, where she'll be talking about the power of the emotional body to heal illness. Tanya, welcome to the show, my beautiful friend. Robin, thank you so much for having me. What a lovely introduction Absolutely. and such powerful information. Oh, I know. I know. Um, you know, we've got to start the show with our, our theme to question. We all want to know, what are you doing in your own life to increase your health span on a daily basis? Well, thanks for asking. I think it's a great question to start off with. I'm doing a multitude of things. I think one of the newest implementations is definitely paying more attention to what I'm putting into my body. 
paying more attention to where the products come from, eliminating processed foods. Um, I'm not a big sugar person, but being very much more conscious of my sugar intake and what products have more sugars, particularly refined sugars. Um, Every day I have a healthy smoothie that includes dark leafy greens, lion's mane for brain function and nerve repair, uh, which I'm sure you're well aware of the benefits of that. You know, ginger for anti-inflammatory properties and it just all kinds of yummy and good things to fuel my body. And I really don't care if it tastes good or not because it feels good just knowing that I'm putting it in there and it's going to go to work on my behalf. Sounds good to me. Have you ever tried um, actual lion's mane? I have not. You can usually find it like at farmer's markets or sometimes Whole Foods, or at least we can get it out here. It's big, white, fluffy, looks like a big cloud. And I've gotten to where I will take a nice thick slice of that and make a mushroom burger. I love it. I haven't seen it here. Still relatively new to the United States. So I haven't seen it here yet, but I'm going to definitely be on the lookout for that. Yeah. Then let me know. Let me know when you find it. If not, you're going to have to visit Napa, my friend. And um, I will be glad. <laughs> I'm really excited, I guess is the right word to use, to get into today's subject because it is, it's a major, major issue that we're having today. I mean, not only do we have stress in our regular day-to-day existence, but now we're being faced with major stress every time we turn on the news. And other than just saying, oh, let's just shut off the news, I want to I want to dig into this and find out what's happening inside of us. What is nervous system regulation and what can we do about it? Yeah. Well, you said it. Everywhere we everywhere we turn, there's an external stimulus. And a lot of the energy that's out there is negative energy. So the only thing that we can control is ourselves. Only we can control our own thoughts and our own actions and behaviors. Everything external is out of our control and we have the power to allow that to enter us or not. So being conscious of, you know, what we're putting in our bodies, what we're watching on television, what we're listening to, all those external factors affect our stress levels, not to mention our self-image, self-esteem, levels of confidence, uh, relationships, traumatic events that have taken place in our lives where we're now storing trauma in the body. And as you and I have had several conversations about that, that's something to definitely look at. And understanding our nervous system, because everybody's nervous system is unique. It's not a one size fits all when it comes to healing or or reducing stress because somebody might have a healthier nervous system that has more ebbs and flow or somebody's really trapped in the freeze response and living in fight or flight. So understanding your own unique nervous system is a great place to start. And we do carry, let's mention that we do carry, you know, ancestral burdens forth in our nervous system. So there's a whole culmination of things that we should be looking at. All right. So yeah, where do we start? Let's let's 
look at what what is stress besides you know the environmental factors and everything else what's what's actually happening inside of us you know i read that it's causing inflammation and what's going on with the nervous system what's happening with us and maybe you can explain a little bit more about fight or flight or freeze and i think i've been hearing freeze a lot more lately and Mm -hmm. i think it's a fairly new buzzword that people you know, and the health circles are talking about that maybe people should know more about. Right. So, you know, we're, we're exposed to, to stress as soon as we enter the world. I mean, let's face it, birth is a traumatic event in itself, right? I can't even imagine doing that today. <laughs> right. But it's also traumatic, traumatic on, on the baby. That's what I meant. It's, could you imagine? Oh, yeah. Right. So if, if we go back to childhood and we look at our environment. And it's never about laying blame or pointing the finger at our primary caregivers or our parents. That's not what it's about. It's about becoming very aware of the environment that we were raised in and the experiences that we had. And really taking a look at the coping mechanisms that we developed. And a lot of those coping mechanisms uh, create stress because we become avoidant. Because we become dismissive, because we become fearful, we become angry. And all of these emotions that are dysregulated in our nervous system and running amok that we don't know what to do with are stress that's stored in our body. And we, I believe, and I, I think it's fair for me to say that you will probably agree with me as well, is that we have become so dissociated between mind and body that we're so up in our heads and we're not connected to the body in the way that we're feeling our stress and really listening to the signals before it's too late before we're in that moment of sheer overwhelm or panic attacks full-blown depression and anxiety so if we can dial in and zero into our past pains and heal, heal our past pains, develop the self-esteem and confidence that we need. Uh, whatever it is that, that we find through our journey of self-awareness and use tools that work, we're going to create a healthier nervous system rather than live in the sympathetic system of fight or flight. Okay. Which is where a lot of us are living. So what, what is the basic mechanism of the nervous system? Okay. Can you explain that a little further? Um, okay. So we have, you know, sympathetic, the parasympathetic vagal tone. What is, what is the action of the nervous system and does it have a mind of its own and can we do anything about it? A hundred percent. So I, I, read a, I read a study somewhere where it said that over 50% of North Americans' population was living in a secure attachment style, meaning that they had a healthy nervous system. I haven't quite come across that because I know even for myself, I still kind of get a little wiggy and go into fight and flight. And so I'm still working on that. But when we're in the sympathetic nervous system of fight and flight, there's that feeling of constantly being on edge. Uh, like walking having, on ice. 
Yeah, walking on eggshells in relationships or or at the office or feeling feeling insecure in a public place, uh, self-doubt, not not speaking our truth, not living in our authentic power, um, not having dealt with traumatic experiences or or past pains. So all of that is going to be a contributing factor to keeping us in the sympathetic system of fight or flight, which again, we may avoid situations. We may become a deer in headlights where we don't know what to say. We may have emotional outbursts, constantly be angry. And so that's a clear indication that we are living in fight and flight, right? What we want to do is we want to transition the nervous system to one that has natural ebbs and flow, where we can transition, uh, sorry, to the parasympathetic system from the sympathetic. Parasympathetic being rest and digest. It's that system of relaxation. It's that system that meditation brings. It's that system of feeling emotionally safe in our environments and in our relationships so that when we have perceived danger, that's a real threat, not just the perceived danger of insecurities and, and, and all of that. We can transition back to the sympathetic, transition back to the parasympathetic in a natural and organic way. Gotcha. Um, and so now what is, what is freeze? So freeze, so yeah, there's a lot of talk right now about fight, flight, and freeze. And freeze is something that's really being looked at a lot right now. It's something that I work with in somatic emotional healing as a hands-on practitioner, where when a person has had a traumatic event or multiple traumatic events, and they were unable to complete fight or flight in the natural way, they become locked in the freeze response. And we become locked in the freeze response in the way that we think, in our behaviors, in the way, in our perceptions of the world, in our perceptions of people. And our nervous system gets trapped in that traumatic event where we can't seem to move, move through that. So what we want to do is we definitely want to have powerful tools, communication tools, empowering tools, healing tools, but we also want to be sure that we're moving that traumatic energy out of the nervous system because that's where it's trapped. And so you'll often see, um, I will often experience clients that will be on the table and they'll have shaking, a lot of shaking involuntarily. You know, their body shaking, crying. It's just that full on purge of emotion that's been trapped inside the body for far too long. So is this kind of as an example, um, an example of freezing of when like I had an old client who once said because of the way that they grew up and really bad areas and you know, emotional abuse, um, that no matter the situation, they 
verbally shoot first ask questions later. Um, just completely living on that edge, assuming that you, because you look at me a funny way, even though maybe you just stumped your toe and happened to turn my direction. So you've got this look on your face. But I immediately assume, what? What do you want? What are you doing? What? So that's, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, you're, it's almost like you're frozen in time. Yeah. It's like you're frozen in that traumatic event and you're unable, you're unable to push through. Your nervous system will not allow you to push through. Your thoughts have you fro literally have you frozen so that your, 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 your neurology has you thinking one way all the time. And so this is why it's really important that we, we dive into each person and recognize that everybody's experiences is unique and that their healing journey is going to be unique to them because it's not a one size fits all. And if you're stuck in the freeze response and you're living in constant fight or flight, circle back to stress. It's, it's stress that's continuously stored in your body and the emotions are trapped in your viscera because each organ has an innervation to the brain that holds a specific emotion. So somebody who has anger, you know, there's a good chance that they're going to have a liver or gallbladder issue or possibly alcoholism. You know, the lungs represent sadness. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people who smoke. You know, if, if a lot of studies show that there's a lot of sadness behind that. So it's very, very fascinating how the body holds on to those emotions and that stress. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And living in a constant state of the sympathetic or the, the fight or flight, when I think back, you know, from my practice of the inflammation that that is bringing to the body, it's kind of like what, what we were talking about in the intro this is creating issues. So it's not just being in a bad mood. It's the start of this cascade that if you don't start doing something about it. 100%. And so there was, there was a Harvard study that, that stated that they, that based upon their research that uh, 95% of illness is stress related. And, and we know that, I mean, if somebody has a cardiac issue, what does the cardiologist say? Reduce your stress. I mean, right there, that's, that's telling right there. The thing is that just because we're meditating doesn't mean that we've eliminated the stressors in our life. So we really need to take care of our business. You know, there's, there's definitely some homework some homework there, but some of the homeworks, you know, people, maybe it's a toxic relationship. You know, that's, that's business that has to be taken care of. So you can reduce the stress and the inflammation in your body. Right. Yeah. Um, cause this could also lead to sleep issues, which leads to more things. <laughs> Right. And with what, and with what you do, you know, how, you know, the importance of the circadian rhythm, you know, the importance of, you know, gut health, the microbiome, the, the gut brain connection, 
And it's all the emotional body, which is your stress body. That body, gut, brain, they're all inextricably connected. So when we want to have a healthy, you know, a life and live longer and enjoy, we have to be sure that, that we're looking at, at every piece of the puzzle and to be sure that we are taking care of the stress, of the nervous system and of our emotions. Right. Now, just to make, you know, things clear for all of our listeners, we're not talking about every single stress out there. Our bodies were created to do fight or flight for a reason. And sometimes like if you're driving in a car and somebody pulls out in front of you, you need to be able to do this really fast. Um, or if you have a lion chasing you, you want to be able to run. And that's the way we have that. And just to share with everyone out there, I was just telling Tanya before we started the show, I had come in from walking my dog. My husband, who's a pilot, is out of town and he was on the phone with me and I'm like trying to, you know, change my shoes and do everything while dealing with the dog, dealing with the phone, dealing with everything. And um, I popped something in my leg and I heard pop, pop, pop and, and down I went and it did not feel good. But, you know, I, I'm used to being like, okay, breathe. You know, my big thing is I don't want inflammation, even though so inflammation is good when it comes to healing, your body has to have some. But I'm like, I have a show to do in 15 minutes. I'm putting my big girl pants on and this is not going to get me. And I'm instantly going, trying to get into that parasympathetic mode and I'm breathing and I'm coming down here. I'm trying to laugh about it. But my hand was literally like this. And I'm like, Tanya, what is going on with me? I'm not that stressed out. And what did you tell me? Why was my that's, not? That's the trauma energy leaving your body. Because I think there's, there's a big confusion out there. People will say, oh, I had trauma when I was young. You didn't have trauma. You went through something. You went through a traumatic event. Or micro traumas where possibly you were ignored by somebody and your teacher called you out and you had all these little micro traumas and those micro traumas create right in our body as well. And when we go through a traumatic event, it's the trauma energy that is stored in our body and you were going through the motions of completing the movement of the trauma in your body by shaking it off. And that's what we want. We want to complete the cycle. Like you mentioned, like a lion, a lion chasing a small animal. What does that animal do when it finally finds sanctuary? It shakes. Yeah. It shakes the trauma out of the body and it goes on to grazing pastures, never thinking of it again. Yeah. So, and that's what our nervous system is designed to do. But unfortunately, as we have evolved since caveman days, we have evolved into a species that really does live in fight and flight. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, when somebody is going through something, you know, the first thing that they want to do, and I can't speak for men because I, I don't, I don't know, but as women, we want to call up our best friend 
and we want to mirror, 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 mirror. And our best friend's like, oh my God, I can't believe that they did this. And then they call somebody else and then it gets back to you. And now other people are coming to you saying, oh my God. And it's just keeping your fire up there and maybe even raising it. It's, it's not letting anything die down. It's like we are, as a society, we're living happily in this place of stress. And we think it's like, oh, this is good because I'm going to feed on this and it's going to propel me to change the situation. But most of the time, it doesn't change the situation. It just, it, it flames the fire. Well, unfortunately, we're fueling our own flame here. Yeah. Because we don't have, we don't have that self-awareness. We really haven't been taught the power behind self-awareness. And if you have self-awareness, you have dramatically reduced your stress levels because you know what's coming and you know you can read other behaviors and you know how to handle it better. You're just, you're just better prepared. And so when we're in those moments of stress and we want to pick up the phone and call our girlfriend and dish about it, take a moment. I say to my clients all the time, count to three. Before you open your mouth, before you move your foot, please just count to three. And then ask yourself the question again, you know, about what your intention was that you were about to do. Should I do this? Is this going to be good for me? What, what are the consequences of this action? I don't think we're asking ourselves those questions enough. What are the consequences of this action before I actually take action? Because we know that one action can go in a multitude of directions. And sometimes we just need to sit and process. And we need to feel our emotions. We need to feel. We haven't been taught how to feel. You ask somebody how they feel, they may say, I'm happy, I'm angry, or I'm sad. But each one of the, those emotions branches off into different subcategories and if we actually get to know ourselves and and dial in we can say ah this is really how i'm feeling oh i'm feeling i'm feeling apathetic oh i'm feeling guilty oh i'm feeling shame and just let that move through you it takes 90 seconds for an emotion to move to move through our bodies actually that's what they say it's what studies say and so if we give ourselves permission to let the stress move through us through us and Learn how to accept situations that are beyond our control because there's a lot of stuff. We can't, we can't control the fact that an appointment got canceled or we can't control the fact that you're going for the job interview of your life and got a flat tire. We can't control that. So we do bring a lot of stress, you know, unto ourselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, are there... Before we get into our action tips, um, are there lifestyle things that we should be doing on a regular basis? I mean, diets, exercise, do those really help? Yeah, all of it. Diet for sure. I mean, what you put in your body is going to affect your mood. So if you're constantly eating junk food and, you know, you just don't have a healthy diet regime, you're going to feel tired. And when you're feeling tired, you're more prone to depression and anxiety. 
So you want to have everything. I like everything balanced. I kind of live, I'm not a fanatic person. I kind of like to live like a, you know, 70, 30, 75, 25 ratio of, you know, good stuff. Cause I do like to have a glass of wine and we know that alcohol, you know, promotes inflammation. So it's just, you know, balancing that. So eat well, moderate exercise, positivity, absolutely. Accept what comes. There's nothing you can do about it. And know that there's always a solution and that things pass. Because as long as we're living in resistance, we are cultivating more stress for ourselves. Gain self-awareness. Gain self-awareness. It's huge. And um, be positive. Yeah, I like that. I think that's, you know, there's always something that we can do. And sometimes it takes really kind of digging in deep and finding out, you know, what our body is needing from us. And, you know, you guys that are listening, you've gotten to know me hopefully by now where you know that I talk to my body like on a regular basis. And I try to find out what is my body needing at any given time. And um, back when I started my holistic journey, which if you listen to my intro, if not, please go back and listen to it. Um, you know, I was already doing nutrition and some fitness training and things like that. But my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And she unfortunately, a few years later, passed away at 66. She was my best friend. And um, I was the strong one, you know, for her, for the family. I was the one that kind of held everything together. I was her spiritual partner in all of this. And so... When she didn't survive, when she she left us, um, I was okay for like three months. And then it hits. And then it hit hard. And I I had to pull back. I found myself actually having panic attacks and I had never had anything like that before. And I had to take a step back. I'm like, okay, I know my body's in fight and flight. I mean, thank God I knew that. And I'm like, how do I help my body through this? And so I did what I knew to do at the time. You know, I, I went, I did like a, a little mini fast just to kind of clean my body out of some of the sugars. But then I enrolled in a Thai bow class. Remember Thai bow? <laughs> yeah. So I did Thai bow to kind of help punch out some of that frustration. And then I, I started a certification in yoga. So that I had my, and then my grounded, right. And my body had its release while learning how to kind of breathe through the exercise, learning how to drop the shoulders down. And um, that made such a huge difference for me. And I'm not saying typo and yoga is right for every single person out there, but it's moving in a direction of finding out what's going on in your body and saying, okay, the stress, these panic attacks, this is not going to be where I live. <laughs> and we need to take steps in the right direction. Well, it's interesting that, that you just shared that story. And I would also like to give you my condolences for the passing of your mother. Thank you. Um, but I, I will often share with my clients when a little story with it where they'll say there's a woman standing beside her husband's casket and 
everybody says, oh, she's doing so well. She's so strong. Look at her. Wow, she's great. And I think that poor thing, she's not allowing herself to go through the motions. She's not allowing herself for that stress to leave her body in the form of crying, sobbing, wailing, screaming, whatever that looks like. She's stuffing it down. She's dumping it into her body. And what's going to happen, she's either going to get sick or she's com- like you, she's completely going to fall apart yeah. and not know and not know what to do with that energy. Yes. And I, it was perfect. Yeah. And I know for me, it was like, because I wanted to be strong for everybody else. I wanted to hold their hand while they went through things. And I think that's what many people do with their stress, especially mothers. And, you know, now in our age range, you know, our market, a big part of our market is 45 and up. We're getting into grandmas and they're watching their children go through things or their grandchildren. And so they don't allow themselves the place, the time, the journey to get rid of that stress. They just keep stuffing it down because that's what we're taught that's what we're taught where we should be teaching the power of vulnerability. We should, you know, and that was me. That was me in a nutshell. I mean, I had a mask on that was so tight that I you know I projected that, you know, my life was perfect and this and that. Thank God I woke up, <laughs> you know, and then I became very vulnerable with my own daughters and sharing, you know, what would be deemed as my weaknesses and my flaws and having those conversations and when, you know, I need a hug, ask for a hug and know that it's okay to cry. And it's okay to, for all of us to just be human. It is. It's okay for us to be human. We all want, we all want to feel human. We all want to be loved. It's the biggest quest of mankind, but we're so afraid to share ourselves. And if we share ourselves, then, you know, we have equilibrium. We, it's, it's a huge part of, of uh, creating that healthy nervous system. So we're not, so we're not dysregulated. Right. And we're, we're better equipped. We're just better equipped all the way around. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to dig in to some of your action steps. You've got three action steps for us. Sure. And, um, Maybe we can chat a little bit about each one of those. And yeah, uh, because again, it's, you know, y'all health span, creating a health span, um, which is basically a long, healthy lifespan and getting your biological age as, you know, again, as I'm always talking about, it's, it's a puzzle piece. There's all of these different things that you need to do to do that. And we need to take in those pieces and we need to see this piece fits together over here, this piece over there. So get your pens out, get your paper, put this on pause and um, get ready to make some notes because this woman knows what she's talking about. And that's why I cherish her so much. So, all right, let's, let's dig into these and let's start reducing stress. Okay. So the first thing that one of the first things I do every day when I open my eyes is I consciously breathe. So your breath uh, comes from the autonomic nervous system. So it's 
you know, it's involuntary. You don't have to think about it unless you have a breathing issue. It just happens. So it's something that we really take for granted until we're short of breath. But when we consciously breathe and we set that time aside to say, I'm going to breathe for 30 seconds, a minute, 10 minutes, whatever that looks like, we become very present and very, very aware of everything around us, particularly the sensations in our body. And I also wanted to kind of slide in there that most of us are only using 20% of our lungs. So that's, that was quite a staggering statistic that I found. Right. So, and, and especially during COVID, right? A respiratory virus, mm -hmm. should we not be exercising the lungs? Absolutely. Absolutely. So conscious breath work is an immediate stress reducer. It just, it just is. Closing your eyes, taking a moment. There's multiple types of breath work out there. I like to do something really simple. Drop the jaw, slack, comfortable, give up that control, in through the nose, out through the mouth, like with a gentle, like hot, foggy sound, like you're fogging up a mirror. Uh-huh. And you transition to the parasympathetic through the exhale. It's the exhale. It's that letting go. It's that allowing yourself to sink into your body. So like I said, you can trans transition to the parasympathetic. You've got increased circulation. You're moving all your beautiful blood cells around. So you're working with inflammation. And it's a fantastic cortisol reducer. Yeah. That's so what you're just... Cortisol highly attributed to aging. My gosh, yes. So when you're doing this, should you purpose to like fill up your entire lung? Should you count to a certain number or just? You know, there's, there's, different, there's different types of breath work. I would definitely encourage somebody who's just beginning to really take it slow because conscious breathing, it's not easy. It can be very exhausting and it can make people cough. It's opening up the alveoli at the lungs and it's moving energy. So I would say start with a few cleansing breaths. Just take a few of them. Stop when you start to feel uncomfortable. Listen to your body. We, we certainly are living in a society that teaches us to push. To push, 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 right? Fight through everything. Oh, if I just work out harder, oh, if I just do this, I would say be gentle on yourself. If it feels good, do it. Yeah. There's a time of place. Stop. Right. But set time aside in your day. So I, I have an alarm that goes off on my phone to remind me because I get so caught up in my work. And there's a few little things that I do, but breath work is absolutely one of them. Yeah. And that's really good. Um, you know, I'm a, a big proponent in breath exercise, and I think there's definitely a time for breathing exercise. We're taking that big deep breath and then more, and we're exhaling everything out. And you do cough a lot of times, which is good and healthy for your lungs, yeah. but it's not going to necessarily get you into the, your, your parasympathetic. So I think there's a time for that, like you said, conscious breath work, the, the meditative breath work, and a physical exercise for your lungs. So a hundred percent. And if we want to think about stress, 
and the natural reaction that we have to stress where we use breath involuntarily. What do we do when we're mad? <laughs> we don't even know we're doing it. Yeah. And we do that because it reduces our stress. So imagine if you actually breathed, used your breath as a prevention for stress. And get all those cells really, really happy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see my dog doing that as well. When she gets mad, she'll sneeze, which is still air coming out. So, 100%. You know, yeah, and, so we do that energy. Yeah. And that is just, you know, instinct because she's never been trained in any of this before. So I think it's good. You know, every time she wakes up, she stretches. I think it's good for us to sometimes pay attention to what our animals are doing. We can learn a lot from them. We can. We, we can. really can. Yeah, yeah. Including how to maybe wrap others around their little paws. But yeah, okay, yeah. That's, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> okay, what's next for us? I would say start to create more love in your life. Start to create more love. Create more love through and i'm not talking you know intimate connection i'm talking love by just sharing that energy with others share yourself step outside your comfort zone get into the arena of vulnerability compliment a stranger help somebody volunteer tell those that matter that you love them don't just wait for those important occasions where you feel comfortable because it's a certain situation that allows you to be vulnerable just sharing yourself and sharing your heart is so positive and it just promotes so much more positivity energetically because how can you not be kind to someone and not have that reciprocity? Even if it isn't going to be, you know, verbally spoken, you're going to feel that, that energy and it just, it just feels good. It feels good to share. Yeah. And it also, it increases the happy hormones, right? of dopamine and serotonin and the endorphins and oxytocin, which is the love hormone. And that's, that's what we want. That's for our health span. We want it. We want to get into that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to share another little story kind of along those lines, um, we were in Atlanta and it was rush hour trying to get to the airport to drop a friend off. And stop and go traffic on the highway. And if you guys are from Atlanta, you know how that goes. Um, and the woman behind us fender bendered us. And she, she ran into the back of the car. It wasn't anything hard. It was more of a bump. Um, you know, and everybody jumped out and she knew she was at fault. And she was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's everybody okay. And, and I just, I just kind of looked at her and I, I grabbed her hands. I said, honey, we're fine we're fine. How are you? And she was like, I'm okay. And I hugged her and she started weeping in my arms. And she's like, oh my God, why are you being so nice to me? And I'm like, because you need somebody to be nice to you right now. And it feels good to me too. And you know, it was, I will never forget that because it did feel really good for me. And you know, it completely de-escalated the situation. And we have so much of that going on in our world right now. Everybody is living on edge. And like we've talked about, 
And when you go out there with a smile and a compliment, you know, it, it can just kind of like take that tension right down, which is good for them and you. You know, if we, you know, if we just take a moment with one another and just, you know, maybe stop looking so much outside ourselves and just take a moment and, you know, ask, ask the person at the checkout, how are you today? How's your day? Or, you know, just say, you know what? Thank you for bagging my groceries. You've made my life a whole lot easier. I always look it's, at their name tag and call them by their name. Yes, yes. That is, that is the, one of the best things is to be acknowledged. So many of us, we're not acknowledging, you know, we, we may not, you know, have healthy environments in which we're living. And just to have somebody acknowledge us and to feel validated and to have that human connection, no matter how small of a time it is can really be very impactful for somebody. And just that, again, that, that sharing, sharing love, it's sharing love. So let me ask you a question. What about, cause I can, I can hear people out there right now saying, oh yeah, sure. It's easy to go out there and share love if you're happy and you're not having that stress. But what if I'm bogged down in stress? I just had a big fight with my husband or my kids or my loved one just passed away or my dog bit my neighbor and I am just, I'm having the day from hell and you want me to go out there and tell somebody that I love them or, you know, be nice to them. Uh-uh. How, how do you deal with somebody like that? Or what is your advice, not deal, but what yeah. is your advice to them? Then that person is going to be the person who needs love to be shared then somebody's going to share love with them and elevate, you know, their vibrations. Because if you're going through something, we can't, you know, we don't, we don't want to be, be faking it. Sometimes we just, we need to be in that solitude. Sometimes we need to go inward and to allow ourselves permission to let that move through us. But we don't want to get stuck in that behavior. We don't want to become frozen in that behavior. So Dan, sorry. So in that, in that moment, I would say to that person, I would say, take a moment of solace and go to some form of gratitude, go inward and, and, and have some form of gratitude. I'm, I'm grateful that I can walk. I'm grateful that I, I have groceries. I'm grateful that I can sit outside on my balcony or my backyard and just take this five minutes for myself. I'm grateful I have a job whatever that, whatever that looks, if things are really catastrophic over here, then try to find even the smallest thing of gratitude, just so you don't get stuck in that loop. Yeah. Yeah. Would you advise somebody who is having that emotional stress going on inside of them to open up to somebody that they trust and say, you know, without getting into everything, but say, Hey, I'm having a really bad day, so I apologize in advance for anything I might say, but can you just hug me? Yeah. You know, what, one, of the, one of the biggest things I think that we're not taught is to ask for what it is that we need. Yeah. And, you know, you said something about hugging the woman and how good it felt for you, you know, and how grateful she was. If we actually taught our children to ask for what it was that they needed, 
there would be a lot less stress moving forward because there's a whole generation out there that are having panic attacks and anxiety and they don't have those coping, those coping skills, those coping tools. So yeah, reach out. Yeah. And, and trust. I like, I like that you put the word trust in there. Don't just reach out to anybody. Some people may love you, but may not be emotionally aware. They might not be the person that can give you what you need emotionally. So choose wisely, you know, um, like I said, doesn't mean they don't love you, but go to the person who can emotionally support you and create that emotional safety that, that you need in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, a free tip there to really look at the people in your life. And because I mean, we all have a comfort zone and I think it's human nature, especially with the people who are living in a a stressed out place in their own lives, they don't want to see their friends leave their comfort zone. And if you start suddenly living stress-free and happy, they're not going to be happy about that. And they're going to try to pull you back down. So be careful. Be careful who you share with. Yeah. Yeah. Be aware. Be aware. Yeah. Be aware. And, and recognize, because I, I hear a lot of people, you know, keep harboring resentment towards friends or family saying, well, I was there for them and they're not there for me. And it's like, sometimes we need to take that step back and get out of the perception and gain some perspective and say, well, maybe that person's experiences haven't shaped them to be emotionally giving. Maybe they're in protective mode. Maybe they're in survival mode. That doesn't mean they don't care. They don't love you. Yeah. So just don't knock on the first door. Right. Be sure you know who's standing behind it. That's good. Yeah. What's number three, girls? Forgive. Mm. Forgive. Somewhere in all of our pasts, we have someone we need to forgive. And it might not be another human being. It might be yourself. Mm. So whatever that looks like, Harboring resentment, anger, sadness, frustration towards somebody or yourself, you are, you have created a lot of stress in your body. That's, and like you said, that's inflammation. So, you know, find forgiveness. I always say, if you can have that conversation, there is a fine line between love and hate. Yes. And, you know, sometimes having that hard conversation, it can be very liberating for the soul, for the body. And a lot of times it brings two people back together. But whatever forgiveness looks like, just forgive. Because I have clients who say, oh, I, I've forgiven. And then they run into this person and they're triggered. Well, if you're not going to be triggered. When you have completely forgiven. Doesn't mean that you need to be friends or be family. Does it, that's not what it means. It means that, you know, wish you well. I'm on my journey. I'm not triggered anymore. I've let it go. And now I can remain centered, you know, in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. I like what I heard once before. And I'm, I know I'm not going to get the quote exactly right, but you know, somebody who is continually 
treating you badly. It's not your problem. It's theirs. It's something they are going through. And that's the reason they're treating you badly. It comes down to how are you going to handle it? Are you going to let it continue or are you going to walk away and say, I will not accept this in my life? Right. I love that you said that. And that's another thing that we're, we're not taught. Emotional boundaries. If you really want to eliminate a lot of stress in your life, get your values in check. Live in accordance with those values. You will attract people and opportunity that also have those values, but be sure that your emotional boundaries are in check. People say, I have boundaries. And then the next question is, well, how do you enforce them? And they're like, uh, yeah, you're afraid to enforce them. You're afraid to say someone, I'm not going to allow you to continue speaking to me in that tone or use those words. I'm going to walk away. So please respect my boundary and we can continue this conversation. So, yeah. Wow, this has been such great information, Tanya. Is there any parting words that you want to give anybody as far as what they can be doing or any tips or anything else? Any, any last words of wisdom? You know, what I, what I wish for everybody is to love themselves wholly, to truly embrace who they are. We, I think by, you know, women more so have a tendency to compare. I'm generalizing, but we have a tendency to compare ourselves to other women. They say women dress for other women. And I say, you know what? Be who you are. Find out who you are. Find out who you are and embrace that person that you were always intended to be. And just by doing that, you're going to eliminate a lot of stress by living and speaking your own truth. And you're going to have a healthier lifespan. And that's what it's all about. That is what it's all about. Oh, goodness. Tanya, thank you so much for being a part of the conversation today. And I hope that we've helped some, shed some light on the different effects of stress and ways to overcome it. And y'all, if you have any questions about the show or anything that you've heard, head over to Instagram at Becoming Ageless Podcast and drop your questions under this show's poster. And um, either Tanya or myself, we will try to get to every single question and see what we can do to, to help people out. So Tanya, if people want to connect or learn more about you, where they can where that where can they find you? <laughs> uh, I can be found on all social media platforms, primarily uh, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. I can be found on my website, TanyaWalkerWellness.com. And you know, drop me an email. I love hearing from people and I'm happy to help people. Yeah. And you've got several programs that people can jump into as well, right? Yes, I have actually, I have, um, I have a booklet, uh, on self-awareness on deep introspection to help people grow, manifest, heal. It's a great place to start. And I've recently put out a relationship evaluation booklet. Nice. So, so where can they find that? They can find that on my, on my website. Tanya Walker. Yes. TanyaWalkerWellness.com. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for that. And y'all, if you want to catch up with me, you can find me all over social media at Robin Lynn. And that's R-O-B-Y-N-N-L-I-N because, of course, I have to be a little bit different. 
Um, <laughs> and our website is becomingagelesspodcast.com. And I encourage you to subscribe and stay in the know. And if you enjoyed the show today, I would so appreciate you rating the show, subscribing to the show and sharing with your friends. And of course, you can find all of the links that we've mentioned, as well as the research that I cited in the intro listed in the show notes. Thank you, all of you for being with us today. And I hope you'll join me here next time on Becoming Ageless as we uncover new tips, tricks, actions, and science to increase your whole health health span. Stay ageless, y'all.